It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, September 16th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stocks slide, yields rise as we close out a tumultuous week for the markets. Investors get another key economic report before next week's Fed decision. FedEx does not deliver for investors as shares plunge. And a key ruling in the classified documents probe of Donald Trump. New York City is nearing its breaking point by migrants sent from Texas. Plus, preparations continue for Queen Elizabeth. Funeral on Monday. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashower in sports. The Mets beat the Pirates. The Yankees visit Milwaukee tonight. Thursday night football. The Chiefs beat the Chargers. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 37 points, Dow futures down 252, and NASDAQ futures down 137. And the 10-year Treasury down 432 seconds. The yield, 3.46%. They yield on the two-year at 3.90%. Nathan. Well, Karen, this stock slide is deepening as we close out a trading week on to be the worst since June. European equities are down for a fourth straight day, so are stocks in Asia. Two-year Treasury yields are climbing to their highest level in 15 years, deepening a curve inversion that is seen as a recession signal. But Brent Schutte, chief investment strategist with Northwestern Mutual, thinks we may be seeing a bottom. Sentiment is already awful. People have sold already. Throwing the 50% retracement of lows that we had, and I think you have the basis for the market having put in the bottom. That doesn't mean it won't be a grinding back and forth advance, but I don't think we're going to go below those June 16th lows. Brent Schutte with Northwestern Mutual says stocks usually hit a bottom when inflation peaks. Well, Nathan, investors get another key economic report to digest before we head into the weekend. At 10 a.m. Wall Street time, we get September sentiment numbers from the University of Michigan. And Bloomberg's Michael McKee has more. The sustained slide in gasoline prices should lift the headline sentiment index as well as consumers' view of current economic conditions. The numbers that matter most, however, will be the expected inflation gauges. The Fed wants to ensure expectations stay anchored so a wage price spiral doesn't develop. 
Expected year-ahead inflation should continue to drop along with gasoline prices. The rate was 4.8% in July. That was down from 5.2% in June to the lowest in eight months. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thanks. The sentiment report caps off a busy week of data highlighted by Tuesday's hotter-than-expected inflation report. Traders now turn their attention to next week's Fed meeting. The debate is whether the central bank raises rates by 75 basis points or a full 1%. Liz Ann Saunders is chief investment strategist at Charles Schwab. To me, the likelihood is more on the 75 end, just because I'm not sure at this stage in the game Powell wants to be seen as as putting forth shock and awe kind of policy. I think more likely is keeping both November and December firmly on the table and really pushing back on this notion that even existed a month ago that after a September hike, the Fed might have the green light to pause. When it comes to market volatility, Liz Ann Saunders of Charles Schwab says high-speed traders may be driving some of the wild swings we've seen this week. On this morning's equity action, Nathan, shares of FedEx are down 19.5% in early trading. The company said preliminary results for the quarter fell short of expectations. We get this story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. The courier said adjusted earnings for the fiscal first quarter were 344 a share, well short of the 510 average estimate of analysts. CEO Raj Subramanian said in the statement, global volumes declined as macroeconomic trends significantly worsened later in the quarter, both internationally and in the U.S. In addition to withdrawing its fiscal 2023 earnings outlook provided in June, FedEx also said it expects conditions to worsen in its fiscal second quarter. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Charlie, thanks. Another stock falling this morning is General Electric. Those shares are down 2% in early trading. GE's finance chief is warning supply chain challenges will weigh in its third quarter performance. The rails are still on the move this morning, Nathan. A tentative labor agreement is in place between freight rail companies and unions that averts a strike. President Biden reportedly told both sides failure was not an option. Bloomberg political contributor Rick Davis said the president deserves the victory lap. And we had a big run up to this. Everybody was looking a lot of concerns about the impact on the economy and the team and the president came through. And, and this is what you wanted to have happen. And they they deserve a right to celebrate. Rick Davis spoke with our Washington correspondent, Joe Matthew, on Bloomberg Sound On. Stay tuned for more on the tentative deal when we speak live with Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. That's coming up on Bloomberg's Balance of Power, live at noon Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Staying with politics, Karen, there's news on the Justice Department's legal battle with former President Trump. A special master has been named to review documents seized from Mar-a-Lago, while the judges denied a request from the DOJ to keep using the documents in their probe. Bloomberg's Amy Morris has details from our Newsroom in Washington. Both the Justice Department and the Trump legal team agreed retired federal court Judge Raymond Deary would be a suitable candidate for special master. But the government won't be allowed to keep using about 100 documents listed as classified until after the special master reviews all 11,000 documents to determine if any should be withheld because of attorney-client or executive privilege. DOJ also asked for a deadline of October 17th, but the court gave Deary until November 30th to complete his review and the court ordered Trump to cover those costs. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Meantime, in the Middle East, it's a meeting of two embattled leaders. Russian President Vladimir Putin told Chinese leader Xi Jinping he understands Beijing's questions and concerns about his invasion of Ukraine. We get more from Bloomberg's Stephen Engel in Hong Kong. 
this relationship is not as rosy and positive as it seems on the surface. The war does not necessarily play to China's needs. And any hope for a quick invasion and quick resolution of the Ukraine war is long in the rearview mirror right now. It's been going for more than six months. And Bloomberg's Stephen Engel says it was the first in-person talks between Presidents Putin and Xi since the start of the war in Ukraine. S&P futures are now down 38 points. Dow futures down 262. NASDAQ futures are lower by 142 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 5.30 seconds, yield 3.46%. NYMEX crude down 4 tenths percent at $84.79 a barrel. Straight ahead, local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 607 on Wall Street, 57 degrees in Central Park. We're still dealing with that truck firing the southbound New Jersey Turnpike truck lanes. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. New York is reassessing the city's right to shelter practice following an influx of more than 11,000 migrants who have been bussed from Texas. That's according to Mayor Eric Adams' chief counsel, who says the city is nearing a breaking point with asylum seekers and the homeless. Council Brendan McGuire says, though, the law itself is staying put. Obviously, none of those practices developed with anyone contemplating that there were going to be over 10,000 individuals bust into New York with no connection to New York from, from overseas. Mayor Adams says the city will not be like those municipalities and states that fly people to Massachusetts or put people on buses. It doesn't matter if you came here on a Mayflower or on a bus at the Port Authority, you deserve the dignity and respect that this city continues to show. Mayor Adams and Council McGuire made their comments while touring an asylum seeker resource navigation center. Ukrainian authorities have found a mass burial site near a recaptured northeastern city previously occupied by Russian forces. President Volodymyr Zelensky announced the discovery in his nightly address to the nation. The grave was found close to Izium in the Kharkiv region. Rehearsals are underway as hundreds of soldiers and bagpipers are practicing for Queen Elizabeth II's funeral on Monday. Meanwhile, people are being told not to join the line to view the Queen's coffin after a surge in numbers. British officials said this morning that the organized line was at capacity and no one will be allowed to join it for at least six hours. Thousands have been awaiting hours in long lines to pay their respects to the Queen as she lies in state at Westminster Hall, including this woman. We were talking before we came, do we curtsy, do we bow? But when we actually stood there, I actually didn't know what to do. And we both just looked at one another and we both just sort of bowed. And then it's just that really overwhelming feeling that you can't explain. Special coverage of Monday's funeral can be heard live on Bloomberg Radio starting at 6 a.m. Wall Street time. The U.S. National Hurricane Center is keeping a close eye on the newly formed tropical storm Fiona in the Caribbean. Forecasters say it is on track to move through the Leland Islands today as it heads toward the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Coming up to 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stanshower. Thanks, Nathan. All around baseball, it was Roberto Clemente Day, nearly 50 years after his death in the plane crash. The ceremony took place in New York. The Tampa Bay Rays started all Latin players. First time that's ever happened. At City Field, the Mets 
all wore Clemente's number 21. They beat the Pirates, Clemente's team, 7-1 to one to snap a three-game losing streak. Daniel Vogelback, who the Mets acquired from Pittsburgh, had two hits, three RBIs. 15th win for Carlos Carrasco. The Mets now lead Atlanta by one game. The Yankees will have Frankie Montas on the mound tonight in Milwaukee. He's made seven starts with the Yankees. He's only won. Once Thursday night football kicking off week two. The Chargers led in Kansas City by ten. The Chiefs scored the next twenty, including a ninety-nine yard interception returned by Jalen Watson with ten and a half minutes to go. That snapped a tie. KC won 27-24. Costly injury for Seattle. Their star safety Jamal Adams, the ex-Jet, done for the year. Torn quad. WNBA Finals, the Connecticut Sun stayed alive, outscored Las Vegas 28-7 to in the fourth quarter and won by 29. The Aces still lead the best-of-five series 2-1. Roger Federer, third on the list of most Grand Slams, won with 20. He's been passed by both Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic, but Federer obviously had a brilliant career, ranked number one for 237 consecutive weeks. He's retiring at age 41. When my love of tennis started, I was a ball kid in my hometown of Basel. I used to watch the players with a sense of wonder. They were like giants to me, and I began to dream. My dreams led me to work harder, and I started to believe in myself. Federer will play one more event, the Laver Cup, in London next week. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. Okay, John, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are lower by 38 points. Dow futures down 266. NASDAQ futures on the decline by 143 points. And the 10-year Treasury is down 530 seconds. The yield 3.47%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 11.30 weather. Sunshine today with highs in the upper 70s. We'll hit 80 tomorrow under a partly to mostly sunny sky. Sunshine for Sunday with some afternoon clouds coming in. Highs in the upper 80s. Right now, 58 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Inequities are extending declines with an index of global stocks on track for the worst week since June. While a gauge of the dollar soars to a fresh record, reflecting bets for outsized Federal Reserve interest rate hikes. U.S. futures are dropping, suggesting the sell-off that drove the S&P 500 to its lowest close in about two months yesterday is not over yet. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 39 points this morning. Dow futures down 267 and NASDAQ futures down 147. The DAX in Germany is down 1.6%. The 10-year Treasury down 4.30 seconds, yield 3.46%. Yield on the two-year, 3.89%. NYMEX crude oil is up a tenth of a percent or nine cents at $85.19 a barrel. COMEX gold down half percent or nine dollars at 16.68.30 an ounce. The euro, 0.9971 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1378. The yen, 143.28. And look at a Bitcoin. It's down half percent at 19750 that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. In the U.K., preparations are ongoing for the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II next week. Meanwhile, people are being told not to join the line to view the Queen's coffin after a surge in numbers. British officials said this morning that the organized line was at capacity and no one will be allowed to join it for at least six hours. Coverage of Monday's funeral can be heard live on Bloomberg Radio starting at 6 a.m. Wall Street time. 
The federal judge has appointed veteran New York jurist Raymond Deary to serve as a special master in the criminal investigation into the presence of classified documents at Donald Trump's Florida home. In baseball, the Mets beat the Pirates 7-1. The A's lost. Thursday night football, the Chiefs beat the Chargers 27-24. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thanks. It's 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And as we continue the march to the next Fed decision coming up on Wednesday, we keep following the data. And we get another read today that could tell us more about inflation expectations. Bloomberg Economics and Policy Correspondent Michael McKee is with us live this morning from our Interactive Brokers Studios. Mike, there's been so much attention, of course, on this week's hotter-than-expected inflation print. How much is University of Michigan sentiment going to matter for this Fed? Well, it's not going to matter for this uh, coming week's uh, Fed meeting because the Fed's pretty much told us they're going to do 75. And uh, the surprise factor from that June reading at the in the Michigan numbers that caused them to go 75 in the first place is gone. So um, they're going to look at it and... Uh, and they'll incorporate it into their thinking. But we've already had the New York Fed does a similar survey on expectations with consumers. It came out earlier this week and showed that consumer expectations for inflation had fallen. And that is probably going to be the case with Michigan because gas prices have been falling for two months now. And the Michigan survey would have been all but taken before the uh, the CPI came out. So uh, it probably isn't going to have a, as big an effect as it had back in June. Part of what I think I hear you saying here, Mike, is that because gas prices are so much a part of consumer inflation expectations that maybe this doesn't matter as much for the Fed because it's focused so much on the uh, inflation uh, factors that are more under its control, the core piece of inflation. Yes, the Fed is uh, knows it can't do anything about energy prices other than uh, to weaken the overall economy so people drive a little bit less, which is going to be a side effect of, of their raising rates. Uh, the Michigan survey is highly responsive to gasoline prices and to stock market moves, where the uh, conference board numbers are much more reactive to the state of the labor market. And the economists who follow this, they know that. So they do a little bit of discounting when we get the figures. Now, since you mentioned stock market moves, we're seeing plenty of those this morning to the downside. And we saw it again, of course, after we got that CPI read on Tuesday. Does that make any difference for the Federal Reserve in its decision making to see the expectations in the market uh, already pricing in the possibility of outsized rate moves? Does, does that give the Fed some kind of room to consider taking a pause? It would give them room to consider taking not a pause, but to go uh, higher uh, if they felt they wanted to do 100 basis points. Now, most people don't think they're going to do that. It would it, it it would be uncharted territory for the markets, and we're not sure how the markets would react. Now, the Fed, in a sense, doesn't care about the stock market as long as it's functioning. If you can make a trade and you can deliver your securities and you can get your money back, then the Fed is fine with that, even if the market is going down. 
if it goes down too fast or it starts to seize up, then the Fed would have some concerns. But at this point, everything seems to be working fine. Makes you, you, know, you see these numbers, it makes you want to go back to bed instead of coming <laughs> yeah, really. in work today. But um, it's not going to bother the Fed too much. Yeah, not that it matters since so many of us are working from home still anyway. But in our last minute here, Mike, uh, I wonder if the uh, the strong retail sales numbers we got yesterday complicates the Fed's mission, does it? Well, they weren't all that strong because you have to remember they were adjusted. You have to adjust those for inflation. So a lot of the spending that we saw is uh, is taken away by that. Uh, we're buying less stuff, just paying more money for it. The question is, do we buy? Are we spending more on services? We've seen a switch to more service oriented spending, and we did see a big rise in bars and restaurants. That's the only services category in the retail sales report. So uh, at the end of the month, we'll get a report that incorporates both goods and services, and we'll see. But at this point, the the, the retail sales numbers sort of tell the Fed we're having an effect. We're slowing the economy. All right. Bloomberg's Michael McKee, our economics and policy correspondent, as we uh, – Keep a very close eye on the data ahead of that Wednesday Fed decision. University of Michigan index comes out 10 a.m. Wall Street time. One more factor for the Fed to consider as it uh, looks to uh, possibly raise by 75 basis points. Markets uh, holding out the possibility, maybe 100. But as Mike was mentioning, uh, the Fed has uh, pretty much telegraphed that 75 is in the books here. We get that decision, of course. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, we'll have full coverage for you here on Bloomberg Radio. S&P futures right now down 34 points. Dow futures down 240. NASDAQ futures are lower by 132 points. And the 10-year Treasury is down 3.30 seconds. The yield 3.46%. And the yield on the two-year right now, 3.89%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine, highs near 80 today. We'll get up to around 80 tomorrow as well. Some afternoon clouds on an otherwise sunny Sunday with highs close to 90. Right now, 58 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by IBKR. Investment advisors switch to interactive brokers for lowest-cost global trading and turnkey custody solutions. No ticket charges and no conflicts of your interests at IBKR.com slash RIA. Up first, the stock slide is deepening as we close out one of the worst trading weeks since June. S&P futures are lower, down 30 Five points. And Lisa Erickson, head of public markets with U.S. Bank Wealth Management, says that choppiness is likely to continue. We caught the stock market in what I would call no man's land, and it's really because we are in a horse race to see how quickly inflation can come down and to what level. 
Lisa Erickson with U.S. Bank says she expects the Fed to keep tightening until inflation slows. Meantime, we get September sentiment numbers from the University of Michigan at 10 a.m. Wall Street time. In equity markets, Karen, FedEx is on the move lower. The shares are down 20 percent after the company announced preliminary results for the quarter that missed expectations. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow says macro weakness is weighing on FedEx. This is a company that's embarked on cost reduction measures, right? And what they're saying is that the global slowdown in volume is outpacing that. They're monitoring closely fuel prices, but what they're saying is we can't keep up. And Bloomberg Zed Ludlow says FedEx expects financial pressures to continue. Another stock falling in the pre-market, Nathan, is General Electric. We get the details on why from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. GECFO Carolina Dybeck Hapa cited persistent constraints in obtaining parts from suppliers. Hapa also said those snags are pushing planned shipments further out on GE's delivery timeline. The supply chain strain is also putting pressure on free cash flow. Hapa said the company now expects it to be in line with or slightly better than the roughly $162 million GE generated in Q2. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thanks. And this morning, shares of GE are down 4.5%. And the rails are still on the move this morning, Karen, with a tentative labor agreement in place between freight rail companies and unions that averts a strike. Stick with us for full coverage today. We speak with Labor Secretary Marty Walsh live at noon Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and Television. And a geopolitical note today brings us to that meeting between Russian President Vladimir Putin and Chinese leader Xi Jinping. Putin told Xi he understands Beijing's questions and concerns about his invasion of Ukraine. The two met in their first in-person meeting since Russia invaded Ukraine. And that's the five things that you need to know to start your day brought to you by Interactive Brokers. And it's 6.33 on Wall Street. We're at 58 degrees in Central Park. Delays remain after an earlier accident on the eastbound Cross Bronx. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York Mayor Eric Adams says it does not make a difference whether you came here on the Mayflower or on a bus. You deserve the dignity and respect this city continues to show. Mayor Adams spoke while touring an asylum seeker resource navigation center. We are not going to be like those municipalities and states where we fly people to Martha's Vineyard, where we put people on buses uh, and have them fail to get the basic items they need. This is a crisis. Meanwhile, New York is reassessing the city's right to shelter practice following an influx of more than 11,000 asylum seekers who have been bused from Texas. That's according to Mayor Adams' chief counsel, who says the city is nearing a breaking point with asylum seekers and the homeless. The governors of Texas and Arizona have sent thousands of migrants on buses to New York, Chicago, and Washington in recent months. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed off on sending two charter plane loads of migrants from Texas to Martha's Vineyard. DeSantis yesterday says it's about time others in the nation began helping overwhelmed border states. Every community in America should be sharing in the burdens. It shouldn't all fall on a handful of red states. Meanwhile, critics called it inhumane political theater. Massachusetts State Representative Dylan Fernandez is a Democrat whose district includes Martha's Vineyard. That's pure cowardice. There's nothing tough about using women and children for your own political gain. Ron DeSantis is is a coward. State Representative Fernandez spoke to ABC. In the U.K., thousands are waiting in line to pay their respects to the country's longest-serving monarch. However, the government has stopped adding people to the line for at least six hours. Authorities say it has reached capacity. Let's go to London and get the latest with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. 
The line to walk past the Queen's Coffin now stretches to five miles along the River Thames. Many thousands have already had the chance to pay their respects as Queen Elizabeth lies in state at the Palace of Westminster ahead of Monday's funeral. The current wait time is already estimated at 14 hours. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. You can hear live coverage of the Queen's funeral on Monday starting at 6 a.m. Wall Street time. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. Much-needed win for the Mets after seven losses in 11 games. Just got swept by the Cubs. Mets took it out on the Pirates at City Field. They're up 6-1 to in the fourth inning. They won 7-1. Daniel Vogel back, the ex-Pirate, had two hits, three RBIs. Two on homer for Francisco Lindor. 15th win for Carlos Carrasco. And the Mets now lead Atlanta by one game. Meanwhile, Sandy Alderson announced he's stepping down as the Mets team president. Alderson is 74, a cancer survivor. He left the team once before, but was brought back by Steve Cohen when he bought the Mets. Alderson will remain as an advisor. Yankees play tonight in Milwaukee. Tampa Bay beat Toronto 11 to nothing. The Rays on Roberto Clemente Day had an unprecedented all-Latin lineup. They trailed the Yanks by seven games. The Blue Jays trail by six and a half. NFL for the first time ever on Amazon and a good one in the AFC West. In Kansas City, the Chiefs came from 10 points down, beat the Chargers 27-24. They snapped a fourth quarter tie with a 99-yard pick six. Giants hoping to have rookie linebacker Kayvon Thibodeau Sunday against Carolina. He missed the opener with a knee injury. Giants took Thibodeau with the fifth pick of the draft. Roger Federer will play for Team Europe in the Labor Cup next week in London and then retire from tennis at age 41. This is a bittersweet decision because I will miss everything the tour has given me. But at the same time, there is so much to celebrate. I consider myself one of the most fortunate people on earth. I was given a special talent to play tennis. And I did it at a level that I never imagined for much longer than I ever thought possible. Paddled injuries lately. Federer always enormously popular. He won 20 Grand Slams just behind Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic. Still certainly in the conversation for greatest player ever. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. 6.37 on Wall Street. Time now to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market. Lots of red this morning for Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta to help us sift through this morning. A lot of it, I guess, Kriti, led by FedEx and its new guidance. You know, this is such an interesting story, Nathan, and I'm going to spend the next three minutes nerding out about it. Prepare yourself because this is so important. This is a global bellwether and I say global because when you have FedEx earnings, they tend to be kind of this high frequency, um, I, I want to say indicator of what the global economy is doing. Think about it. If you are a business that's doing a lot of work in a different country, if you are shipping things, if you are buying things, if you have a lot of economic activity, like think about like the buzz, the global economy is buzzing. That is good news. And that means you are going to be shipping a lot of things, moving things, transporting things. It means the economy is growing um, and, and functioning in a very healthy way. When you're not doing that, you kind of reverse engineer that logic. The idea here being that if FedEx is saying global shipment volume is actually declining. That means economic activity is declining. That means people are actually more cautious about the future. Now, Nathan, none of these themes are new. I think what's new here is the timing of it all. Because so far, we've seen a lot of these logistics companies actually excel because of the supply chain issues. To hear them say, well, hold on a second, we're actually feeling the heat now. 
that's new. FDX is your ticker for FedEx. Those shares down about 20% after that guidance. And basically they said, well, we all know, macro headwinds. It's hitting them specifically in China. That's kind of been their big growth business with the COVID lockdowns, with uh, decelerated imports, and especially a lot of that idea of bringing a lot of manufacturing back home. The outlook doesn't exactly look great for international shipping on that front. So FDX giving that warning. But the ripple effect is crucial here because UPS is also down to the tune of about 7% this morning. UPS Mm. is also the ticker as well as the company name. And Nathan, this is important. FedEx and UPS are competitors, but FedEx tried to kind of tackle supply chain issues early by saying we're going to hire more people and we're going to pay them more so we don't have any disruptions. UPS came out and said something a little bit different. They said we're actually going to focus on smaller customers and then increase our prices so that we get profit margins and we don't have to deal with bulk shipping. We'll get the same volume but just make more on the individual transactions. And right now, the UPS strategy seems to be working better than FedEx's, even though FedEx had a better – system when it came to the supply chain disruptions. I'm going to throw one more at you in 10 seconds. Amazon, AMZN, down 2.6%. We know it's also a major shipping company. A third of Amazon packages actually go through UPS. So they are all connected. If you've seen Payne and FedEx, you're going to see it in UPS and Amazon as well. Yeah, the focus on logistics this morning. On a morning after, we got that tentative rail agreement that – could uh, complicate the picture as well. We're going to talk about more about that, actually, what it took to get that uh, tentative deal struck with uh, Bloomberg Government's Emily Wilkins joining us from the nation's capital as uh, Bloomberg Daybreak continues. But ahead of the market open, we are watching futures move lower. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine today, upper 70s. We'll get to near 80 to start the weekend tomorrow. Could see 90 by Sunday with afternoon clouds coming in. Right now, 58 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Futures are falling this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are under pressure, although off their worst levels. Dow futures still down 197 points. S&P's dropped 29. NASDAQ futures declined by 110. The U.S. 10 yield at 3.47%. Gold is down 3. Oil is trading higher. And Bitcoin is down by 0.2%. Japan fell 1.1% overnight, while European markets are also under pressure this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 10 o'clock, Michigan sentiment. After the bell last night, FedEx withdrew its Earnings forecast citing worsening macro trends. Shares are plunging 20% in the pre-market. And in others, GE warned that supply chain woes could weigh on performance. Wrapping things up, Adobe was cut to equate at Barclays. FedEx cut to neutral at J.P. Morgan. And International Paper was cut to underperform over at Jefferies. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thanks to hear live breaking news of your Bloomberg-type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. In the U.K., preparations are ongoing for the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II next week. Meanwhile, thousands continue to wait hours and long lines at Westminster Hall to pay their respects to the Queen as she lies in state. But the government said it is temporarily stopping people from joining the line because it has reached capacity. You can hear the Queen's funeral on Monday live on Bloomberg Radio starting at 6 a.m. Wall Street time. 
A third-party arbiter has been named by a federal judge to the FBI Trump document seizure case. Semi-retired Judge Raymond Deary has a deadline of November 30th to finish his review of the documents. In baseball, the Mets beat the Pirates 7-1. The A's lost. Thursday night football, the Chiefs beat the Chargers 27-24. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Michael Barr, thank you. It is 649 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. And here's us making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Apple is counting on upscale shoppers to make the latest iPhone a hit when it goes on sale today. The iPhone 14 lineup reserves the best features for the high-end pro models, costing at least $1,000. Based on pre-order sales, that strategy is working. Consumers have turned the most expensive new iPhone into the most popular version. In Europe, new car sales rose for the first time in 13 months. Registrations increased 3.4% in August. Mercedes-Benz was among the best performers with a 16% rise. Still, the good news for automakers may not last long. Record inflation and an unprecedented energy crisis threatened to discourage buyers. And as more companies make the return to office push, many employees feel like they have no choice. According to a survey from productivity software company Oslash, almost 80% of remote workers think they would be fired. If they said no, nearly 60% of employers say they'd be okay with them resigning instead of returning to the office. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. All right, Karen. Thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. We're at 650 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include an all-nighter. Help to seal a deal on the rails. President Biden accusing Republicans of using migrants as props a retiring judge appointed to review documents seized at Mar-a-Lago and a same-sex marriage vote in the Senate. Apparently going to have to wait till after the midterms. Let's bring in Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins for more on all these stories. Emily, good morning. So we're getting more details on just how involved the Biden administration was in getting this tentative labor agreement done with freight rail. Yes, President Biden, uh, there was actually, I think as you mentioned, Nathan, this 20-hour marathon where they brought in union leaders, industry leaders, got Labor Secretary Marty Walsh involved. Uh, apparently they ordered everyone a bunch of baked ziti uh, trying to work through this marathon session. And they also made sure that uh, President Joe Biden uh, was video chatted into the room, that he continued to encourage things. I mean, this was a huge, huge potential crisis for President Joe Biden. I mean, if these workers were to strike if you were to see rail service cut off, supplies not getting the places they needed, there was an estimated impact of $2 billion on the economy um, if this would have gone through. And, and to be clear, it still might. We're now at this stage where we need the 125,000 workers, uh, a part of the 12 unions, to actually agree to what was hashed out between the uh, industry leaders and the union leaders. And there's some indication that they might not do that. I mean, they wanted to have uh, six days that wasn't granted to them. They have a little more flexibility now if they need to take an absence for medical reasons. Uh, but there are a lot of concerns uh, that do remain. Um, and at the same time, right now, things seem to be in favor of the workers due to labor shortages. We've seen a lot of successful unions uh, make their cases gain footing in, in a variety of industries. 
So I think this is something we're still going to have to watch to see exactly how this deal shapes up. But there's also a sense that because President Biden has been so pro-union, pro-labor throughout his presidency, during his candidacy even, that he does have influence within this community and will be able to find ways to keep things running. Well, we did see that sort of victory lap yesterday uh, at the White House Rose Garden with the president uh, congratulating and thanking the negotiators. Is there a risk here that because we are now in this extended cooling off period that he may have taken this victory lap a little too soon? I mean, uh I think for for President Biden and most presidents, they like to take victory laps when they get them, uh, especially right now in the run up to an election, because if this just gets ratified, there might not be the same buildup that we've seen. So it's capitalizing a bit on the news cycle here. Uh, but I think, yeah, at, at this point, we are not out of the woods yet. We're in this phase of a cooling off period, but we really have to keep a close eye, as Bloomberg reporters are, on what is happening uh, with the actual vote from the unions on whether or not to agree to this deal. Oh, it's interesting as well to see a Republican governor sort of trying to uh, reclaim control of the news cycle with uh, further reports and further evidence of uh, migrants being bussed in from border states to places like Martha's Vineyard and now Vice President Kamala Harris's doorstep. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't, we've seen this going on for a little bit here. I think at this point, about 10,000 migrants alone have been sent from Texas up to Democratic cities, DC, New York, Chicago. Governor Greg Abbott says that it's to send a message that they really need more border security and more border enforcement. But a lot of Democrats, and I think we heard a little bit of this just earlier in the show, are saying that they're using these migrants as political pawns. Migrants don't always know when they get on a bus exactly where where they'll be going. And while volunteers in cities, including Martha's Vineyard and Washington, D.C., have stepped up to help with the influx of migrants, a lot of these cities are saying, wait a sec, we don't have the infrastructure to handle this. Uh, we haven't been given, given any preparation. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris pointed out that Texas Governor Greg, Greg, Greg Abbott allegedly called Fox News to let them know that these buses were arriving, but he didn't bother to reach out to the Department of Homeland Security or other agencies in the area that could actually help the migrants when they arrived. Uh, so I think at this point, we're expecting to, to see this continue. Um, I will say California Governor Newsom is asking the Justice Department now to open an investigation into this practice. Uh, but I think this very much dovetails with what message Republicans are trying to push this midterms, which is a lot about border security, a lot about immigration. That message worked very well for them in previous elections, and they're picking it back up again. Interesting. Let's get to the latest down the Mar-a-Lago investigation. We now have a special master in place. We have a special master in place. And it's actually one of the few things that both sides have agreed on. They've named U.S. District Court Judge Raymond Deary as a special master to review all 11,000 documents that were taken from Mar-a-Lago. But there's still some tension between the Justice Department and the Trump camp. The Justice Department is asking that certain documents not be included in the special master review because of the national security risks they pose and how they could impede their pending investigation on it. Um, we'll have to just have to keep an eye on the courts as far as what's going to be happening there. Um, but there is a sort of a question of how long a potential review, review from a special master would take. And if there is sensitive information in some of these documents, if there is a national security risk, how much longer do we want to spend before the Justice Department is able to address that? Yeah, 11,000 pages is a lot, Emily. Finally, uh, looks like the uh, vote on the same-sex marriage bill in the Senate is going to have to wait. 
Yeah, uh, lawmakers announced yesterday that they are going to postpone that until after midterm elections in November. At this point, Nathan, to be honest, we're not even clear that they actually have enough votes to pass. We know there are some Republicans who have come out, said that they would vote with Democrats on passing uh, this piece of legislation to reaffirm federal protections for same-sex marriage. But it's not clear that we have the needed 10 that that must be there to pass any sort of legislation. Um, but this delay, you know, the the uh, lawmakers who are working on it say that it's in hopes that maybe after the midterms they'll be able to get more members on board and actually pass something. But other Democrats are pretty upset. They're saying, hey, look, voters are about to go to the polls. If they have a senator who does not believe uh, that same-sex marriage should be legal, they should know about it. We should put this on the floor and we should try and get a vote. So you're seeing a bit of a battle between the uh, the policy and the politics of the moment on this particular issue. Uh, but, Nathan, the other thing to keep in mind here is that we, we don't have a lot of days left. I think the House right. has about seven days in session. Senate has a little bit more, but it's not a lot of time. Yeah, and they got to keep the government from shutting down at the end of the month, too. And so we've got to shut this uh, conversation down for now because we are out of time. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins with us. Thank you, as always. Read more at Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Listen to Bloomberg Radio in Washington. Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. S&P futures now down 28 points. Dow futures down 195. NASDAQ futures lower by 106. Bloomberg surveillance is next. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.